0: it gives me a lot of hope.
1: If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love season nine.
0: Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast.
1: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. podcast.
4: And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon.
7: We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
6: KFI AM 640, you're listening to the John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeart Radio app. Ken is away today, uh, one to four live on the radio, our show. And then after four o'clock, you could hear it as a podcast, John and Ken on Demand, same show. Just pick up all the parts that you missed or hear everything all over again. Uh well, I was, we we're just calculating that if uh in order to remember the uh Menendez brothers murder back in 1989, to have any kind of a real memory of it, you gotta be uh, somewhere between what, uh Probably forty-five years old. They got they got convicted. They were tried twice in the nineties, both convicted. Uh, The Menendez brothers are now in their fifties. They were uh, teenagers who were, uh, they say, sexually abused by their father Jose, and eventually they uh, they killed Jose and uh, their mother Kitty, and they claimed sexual abuse as a defense. Not that they didn't do it, but that they were pushed into it and they feared for their lives. Uh, but the second jury didn't buy it, and so they've been sitting in prison ever since. Now they claim they've got evidence that shows the, uh, the extent of their, their fear, the extent of the sexual abuse. Uh, and they have Mark Garagos now on the case as their attorney. So let's get Garagos on here. Mark,
5: how are you? I'm wonderful. How about you? Why you're flying solo on a Friday, Ken just dig down ditched you? Yeah, I, I, Ken has joined the
6: legions of people who don't work on Friday. At least for this week. Uh,
5: I thought that was only in Rhode Island, but apparently it's made its way to California.
6: Yeah, I know. Every no, Nobody wants to show up anymore. But this case, uh, we know this case well from way back. What is the new evidence that uh, you and Eric and Lyle have uh, that uh, is grounds to reopen the case?
5: Well, it's interesting. In your recitation of the facts, you were pretty good. The, there was two trials. The first jury heard the evidence. They testified. There were other people who testified, including uh, the uh, aunt. And the jury, half of the jurors, found that they were not guilty of the murder. They were basically hung. Was on during the murder and manslaughter. After that trial, this trial was declared. After that trial, a uh, unusual event happened in. California that people uh, were very upset about, which was the acquittal of O.J. Simpson. Uh, eight days after that, uh, all of a sudden, the DA's office, you might remember Joe Garcetti was the DA then, he um, assigned somebody who was rumored to be his competitor uh, to run against him for DA, David Kahn, to retry the Menendez brothers and they did and miraculously for the da's office all of the evidence of abuse was excluded the evidence that the jury the first jury heard was not played for them or uh was not they didn't get to hear the testimony they didn't get to hear the uh evidence of other witnesses nothing and then to compound matters david Kahn, who was the trial lawyer who tried the second trial then argued in closing arguments uh, that there was basically no abuse because they hadn't proven it, even though he had gotten the judge to exclude it, and they were convicted, sentenced to life, as you said, where they've been for the last 33 years. What the new evidence is, is there is Eric had written a letter prior to the killings taking place that to his cousin, a gentleman by the name of Connell, and uh, had had told about his fear and his desperation and his absolute horror at the fact that his father, this violent predator, uh, was raping him. And his cousin tragically died, and this letter was just recently found in his personal effects. You take that, that's front and center. We have the letter attached to an that exhibited the writ of habeas corpus and Then recently, there's been a documentary that was done, and people may remember Menudo, the boy band that uh, was under the, uh, I think, the uh, the RCA label. Uh, Jose Menendez was the head of the RCA label, and they are now, at least one of those members, uh, has now signed a declaration and has gone on the record as saying that Jose Menendez uh, raped him as uh, well. So you combine those two things and the position of uh, the abuse that was excluded from the second trial. And uh, I think that uh, you would have gotten a result that was the same or better as the first trial if we had had that evidence at the plane.
6: What What was the reason that the evidence of the sexual abuse was not admitted into the trial? I assume the Menendez attorney would have insisted on it or, or is there a reason correct. who didn't
5: correct and I will tell you I remember the case I didn't try either one of those trials but I remember as it was happening and I've also watched just recently there was a federal argument Cliff Gardner of my uh, co-counsel on the writ, argued the appeal in the federal court maybe 18 years ago and I recently just watched it it's a fascinating Argument because one of the justice the judges on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal, one uh, one level below the U.S. Supreme Court, back in whatever it was, 05, say so he said he basically uh, dismantled the Attorney General and pointed out that the only reason that the evidence was excluded. Uh, between the first trial and the second trial, was because you had a DA and you had a, a judge that uh, were trying to do a, a basically a makeup for the OJ acquittal, and uh, that was that's what influenced it because there wouldn't have been any other compelling reason. By but the way, the judge disallowed that, the judge yeah, disallowed, it disallowed the evidence. It disallowed the evidence, and then on top of it, on top of it allowed the D.A. to argue that basically to poo-poo and say these, are, these were like spoiled rich kids uh, who were who just wanted to get an inheritance when he knew that that wasn't the case.
6: A lot of people, and I'm one of them, might not be interested in an excuse for killing Jose and Kitty Menendez.
5: If, yeah, yes. I, mean, I understand, but you wouldn't have also been on the jury. I think that the, the jurors cared about it or would have cared about it. If you're sworn to get on that jury, you should be able to hear all the evidence. So somebody told me, I wish I'd come up with the one, um, if they were the Menendez sisters, do you think they'd still be in jail? And the answer is unequivocally no. 30 years has passed. A lot of things have changed in our culture. And, but you know, I think also... Uh, I, I think it was Adam Carolla who had said this to me. Adam had said, can you imagine if you just did the thought experiment and took out Jose Menendez and just put in, substituted in his high school wrestling coach? As the one who was the sexual predator, and they ended up killing him. Um, do you think he'd still be in custody after 33 years, or they would still be in custody? I agree with that. Yeah,
6: yeah, it's a great game to play that you change the uh, the race or the uh, uh, sex or the uh, position in life uh, 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 of, yeah, of, of status, someone, and that, status, that 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 makes yeah. it more justified or less justified to kill him. But that's not the way the law is written. The law is written that if you kill no, somebody,
5: no, the, the, the law, the law actually was written that that could uh, that the their their defense could negate malice. If you don't have malice, this wasn't like. Remember, the first jury that heard the evidence, it wasn't that they wanted to just acquit or find them not guilty. What they were saying is, you you killed the you killed them. But we have to decide, was this murder or was this manslaughter? And we think that your mental state was such that it's manslaughter. If it was manslaughter and half the jury that heard the evidence felt that way, then they would not be in 33 years later.
6: So you think that maybe the reason the evidence wasn't admitted in the second trial is Garcetti and the judge had a deal in order not to have another high-profile loss after OJ?
5: I hate to be cynical, but I will I will refer you to watch the Ninth Circuit argument and tell me if there's any other conclusion you could draw. The attorney general was given every, you know, because the, the DA's office is the one who prosecutes at the trial level. Then, obviously, when you go up on appeal, it's the attorney general who defends the conviction. The attorney general... Uh, was sparring with the uh, judges on the night and in the ninth circuit. I would invite you know to invite anybody to watch because I think it's fascinating as to the answers or the non-answers that were given.
6: All right. When do you file the uh, the case? The request to reopen. We
5: filed, we filed it. Yeah, we filed it this week. The judge. You usually hear from the judge within thirty to forty-five days on a writ. And when you, I say hear from them. He can either invite the DA 's office to respond, he can order them to respond, or uh, he can deny. It. So now, uh, now in, in, your, in
6: your request to, to reopen the case, uh, do, do you put this this story of, of, of Garcetti and the judge? Is that part of the or is well, it just you, about the new could, letter
5: that you found? It's just and the, about the new letter, the new letter and the new uh, allegations uh, of a uh, that are corroborate, corroborate the letter. I mean, remember, a lot of people were were would have been not necessarily the first jury because the first jury, uh, at least half of them, felt like the uh, abuse was real and negated malice. But you, what all they're asking for, all I'm asking for, is their mouthpiece, so to speak, is that they either somebody evaluates this or reevaluates it, explain how now. When you've got evidence that is overwhelmingly uh, positive uh, that there was abuse, how do you say, oh, oh, it's okay, we've kept them in there for 33 years when we excluded their defense?
6: All right, Mark, thanks very much for coming on. I always love talking to you. All
5: right, Mark
6: Garagos, now the attorney for Eric Lyle Menendez, who who want another trial. Because there's now a letter and there's testimony by a former mem- member of Menudo, uh, or at least uh, he told a story in a uh, in a documentary that uh, Eric and Lyle's dad, Jose Menendez, who is a record company executive, was sexually abusive not only to Eric and Lyle, but he went after the Menudo kid and that there was a letter uh, from one of the Menendez boys that they recently found. Uh, and we're going to see if a judge gives them another trial, third trial. More coming up. Oh, we got something. Uh, we got something very tragic and funny coming up,
8: mm-hmm. and
6: I, <laughs> I think you know.
8: I'm not watching.
6: <laughs> it's involving an animal. Well, we, we're just going to play the audio. Check uh, your email, John. <laughs> okay, uh, that's next. You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM 640. Ken is away today, and uh, you know this is uh, this is sad, tragic news. Um, it's also funny. (laughs) We're going to play you some audio. Uh, this was a group of, uh, homeschooled kids. Uh, it was a, uh, field trip to go to the Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. And, uh, they were up, uh, came right up to the retaining wall. And on the other side of the wall was a pond and there was uh, ducks and little ducklings swimming in the uh, pond and, uh, a bear. And well, the pond was in the bear enclosure. The pond was in the bear enclosure. Ah, huh, all right. And oh, I guess so the ducks were had picked that spot to land in,
9: huh? Yeah, the I guess the ducks uh, were intruding.
6: I see. So this was like the little swimming hole for the bear. And you had in the shot, you could see the, I guess the mother duck, and then trailing behind was a little tiny baby duckling and spindly legs and it's flapping around trying to. A really cute little thing. Um, anyway, uh, the bear sees the little duckling and uh, will listen to the audio of the kid's reaction. And we'll explain the detail if it isn't obvious. Oh, that's so
3: funny. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Oh, my
7: gosh.
3: That's so
6: Don't hear it. No! your upset. head on Don't hear it. Don't
8: hear it. not hear not hear to hear that. that is- no, well, no, and the poor it, kids had to see it was that
6: dangerous. the bear starts no. the tracking the little
8: duckling, oh, right? Oh. Yeah. And
6: then goes up real close and does gets the big his paws.
8: Oh my god. It's literally god. got its two
9: paws and the ducklings in the in its paws and then you just kind of <laughs> see it take a bite. Oh
8: my god. Didn't I can't jump. believe you guys watched that. It was bad enough.
9: Well, so how it happened was someone Tagged me in the video on Instagram. I want to give them credit because they're clearly a listener. Because they said the comment literally said, Show this to Deborah.
8: Oh, thanks. Another nice listener.
9: Uh, it's at Miss Jessica660.
8: Thanks, so Jessica. She, she really tagged me it. for
9: Deborah. LOL. LOL.
8: Wow. I don't find anything funny about
9: this. I'm going
8: to say, Not a, not
9: anything zoos are educational places and these kids learned the poor, a life lesson
8: first of all the poor duckling and the poor mama duck well the oh mama
6: duck was way ahead i don't even think she yeah, saw the duckling. she turned oh. her back on the duckling you got to keep them in front of you there
8: oh that and you uh, know i've had a hard day as it is and that just made everything so
6: much worse bear needed a snack
8: Okay, the bear has other snacks. It needed to leave the little baby. Oh, that's so sad. And what's really sad, seriously, is those kids, they're gonna be traumatized.
6: Well, they have to understand what the world is. Okay,
8: like. John, you have three you have three kids. Yeah. And they were little and they took a field trip to a zoo and they came back and told you what happened and were crying and upset. I'd probably you would laugh. It's, it's a the cycle death. of life,
6: Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> every animal, almost every animal is food for some other. For some other animal
8: that bears don't usually eat ducklings.
6: I it was just it was just too cute right in front of its nose there. Oh, that's it was hard to pass up. Yeah. And I'd never seen a bear eat a duckling, but then again, you know, you never see ducklings in a bear pond like that.
8: That's a very awful, I, awful, awful, awful story.
6: Are you going to watch it?
8: Are you kidding me? I could barely tolerate listening to just the kids screaming because I have an imagination, so I, I can imagine what happened. No, of course I'm not going to see that.
9: I'm Who glad would want
6: to watch that?
9: I'm glad you. you found found out what zoo it was at because I was trying to figure it out, and I couldn't find it.
6: Yeah, oh, well, I typed in Woodland Park, and it says Seattle, Washington. Uh, Makes sense. Uh, the, now, uh, years ago, I took the kids to Alaska, and we went into some kind of nature preserve area, and I remember there was a wooden bridge... And on the other side of the fence, on the bridge, was a stream. Uh, One of those fast-moving Alaskan streams, you know, going over rocks. And bears were playing in the stream. And there were salmon. And you could see the bears grab the salmon right out of the stream and rip it. You could hear the salmon being ripped apart. And they would stuff the salmon in their mouth. I think I have video of that.
8: Of course you do.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Because they they did it for a while. So I got to. I had I had a minute to go get the camera and and get a shot of it.
8: I wouldn't want to see that either. You don't want to see that. I Did bring your that kids in. like see, like that? Yeah, yeah. They- well, they have you as their dad. Look, guys, isn't this cool? And the circle of life. Let's
6: be real. He's got three sons. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't shield them from that kind of reality.
8: Oh, I I shielded my kids from that kind of reality. Shocker. <laughs> To see that or hear that,
6: yeah, the kids screaming in horror was
8: that just, was terrible. Well, I'm gonna have nightmares. They tonight. were
9: lucky there was glass and they couldn't hear the chomping. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
6: Sarah. uh, yeah. all right. When when we come back, uh, San Francisco swirling the bowl now, They're, they are going down for good. There's now a story from the San Francisco Chronicle about all the tax revenue. That is being lost in san francisco because so many businesses are have closed down so many people won't work there anymore it looks like the criminals and the homeless and the progressives have won they can declare victory they got what they wanted uh san francisco is uh, a hellscape and we'll give you the financial numbers when we come back on the john and ken show
4: more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time
2: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
7: Do you love Selena?
6: Like, really love?
7: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the queen of Tejano.
1: And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of
4: our podcast, Becoming an Icon.
7: We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
6: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Keep AM radio in all new cars and trucks. That is the message here, because there's talk about it being removed from new cars and trucks. And if we're in a natural disaster, you're going to get a text alert. It's not enough. Uh, It's not a substitute for what uh, broadcast uh, stations like ours can provide Uh, radio. Somebody talking to you 24-7 until the emergency passes. Often the cell networks aren't even up and running. During a disaster, when emergencies occur, your local broadcast radio station, we provide wall-to-wall coverage, life-saving information, and a live connection in the crisis and then in the aftermath. You have to make your voice heard on this issue. You got to tell Congress to keep AM radio in all cars and trucks. Text the letters AM to 52886. Do this now. 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 Text letters AM to 52886. You tell Congress, keep AM radio in all cars and trucks. Standard message and data rates apply. Thank you. Uh, Coming up after 3 o'clock, we're going to have Mark Peacock on. He's uh, an attorney representing the family of Officer Michael Parides. He and Officer Joseph Santana had uh, arrived at the Siesta Inn in El Monte. There's a report of domestic violence. It's happened last year. You may remember. There was a gang member who had a multitude of prior convictions. And he was in some altercation with his wife or girlfriend. Paredes and Santana were the officers who showed up to try to settle matters. And. The perpetrator, Justin Flores, shot them in the head and killed them. And then, of course, we found that that evil, George Gascon, was behind it. His policies allowed Flores to be freed on probation after he was arrested for possession of a firearm and methamphetamine. He could have faced several years in prison under the three strikes law. But the prosecutor said he couldn't seek the enhanced sentence because of Gascon. So this guy was free when he should have been in prison. And he was free to kill two officers, Michael Paredes and Joseph Santana in El Monte. We are going to have the attorney for the Paredes family, Mark Peacock. They are suing the probation department and they are suing the, uh, the evil George Gascon. Responsible for the double murder of police officers. Not that Gascon cares. I guess that's a good day for Gascon. Two dead cops. All right, San Francisco. You know, you know what's, what's fascinating about this? Is everyone's sane chronicled San Francisco's decline over the last several years. And there was really only, only one conclusion. Eventually, the place is going to collapse. And, of course, if you said this out loud, it's like, why you... You must be a racist. I mean, you want to put people in prison, and don't you have any compassion for the homeless? I mean, there's there's just hundreds of criminals, I mean, just thousands of shoplifters and car thieves running amok at all times, and uh, then then you've got the the thousands of homeless people, mostly drug addicts and mental patients. Laying in the streets, assaulting people. I mean, it's certain some neighborhoods are as about as disgusting as you'll see in any American city. But, oh, don't worry. They said no one's ever going to leave California. No one's ever going to leave San Francisco. It's too beautiful here. This is the hub of the tech industry. This is the cool place to be. And we're all compassionate progressives. And we can manage this. Well, as you heard recently, Nordstrom's is closing two of its stores. Saks Fifth Avenue is, is uh, closing there. What's it called? Off Saks Off Fifth? Uh, what else closed? Oh, the Whole Foods. It's only a year old. Walgreens, several of those have closed. Uh, you go to a Target, almost every single item is locked up in a case. And because it's so scary in the streets, uh, nobody shows up for work anymore. The buildings are mostly empty. There's one building that was worth $300 million just four years ago. It's now worth sixty, And that's a whole other issue. It's like, what happens with all these massive empty office buildings? People don't want to come back. And it's not just, we like remote work. We like sitting at home in our pajamas and our fuzzy slippers. Part of it is they, they don't want to be stabbed in the neck. So anyway, the restaurants and bars are empty. All the retail shops are empty. All the kinds of little stores where people would do their errand shopping, they're empty. Uh, and now, boy, sales tax revenue data, down 22%. It is down $40 million from 2019. Wow. In 2019, it was $181 million. In 2022, $141 million. Downtown revenues dropped even more. Revenue from the business district, south of Market neighborhood, fell by a third from 21 million to 14 million. The financial district, South Beach area, which produces the most sales tax revenue of any neighborhood, dropped 30%, 41 million to 28 million. Oh, the Tenderloin, down 53%. From 10 million to less than 5 million. So there you go. Three neighborhoods, three important revenue neighborhoods, down 34%, 30%, 53%. Uh, there is a there's a a supervisor district three and district six. They are the two big sales tax districts. In 2019, those two districts produced more sales tax revenue than all the other districts combined. Since then, revenue from food and drug stores has dropped 43%. 43%. Of course, that's where all the vagrants and criminals congregate. Uh, revenue generated by general consumer goods, including department stores, have dropped 14%. But that doesn't even include other locations that Whole Foods and Nordstrom would have. And. Uh, so the retailers are closing. So a lot of that tax money is gone forever. It's, it's, it, and, and every, and we all wondered, it's like, they can't live like this forever. They can't put up with this forever. They're paying ridiculous rents and they were paying ridiculous rents for a long time. And they were working from the office for a long time. But suddenly pandemic happened and it broke the magic. And they thought, why would I want to go? And get stabbed or raped. Why do I want to play fecal hopscotch on the way to work? Why do I want to smell that? Why do I want to be chased by a crazed meth addict? Why do I want to watch a naked guy take a dump in, on the sidewalk? I don't have to do that anymore. So that, and this was a 100% progressive experiment. It's really funny. I mean there there is a, a certain amount of enjoyment to get out of this because they got their way entirely. City city's only 7% republican. It's it's a monolith. They don't even have many moderate democrats. They don't any but hey this is how the people voted. And so they voted to destroy a city and reward mental patients, drug addicts and criminals and now a lot of them fled the city. And they're still working for a San Francisco business name only. But they've relocated uh, elsewhere in California and in other states. It's like, hey, good work. Good work. Voting in absolute morons. And then when they tank the city and make it broken, disgusting, you get out of town. But you keep your job and you're still getting paid. Nice work. Good citizens. More coming up. John and Ken show KFI. You're listening to John and Ken on Demand from KFI AM six forty. All right, after three o'clock, we are going to talk to the attorney for the Michael Parides family. Michael Parides and Joseph Santana were two El Monte police officers who were shot and killed, shot in the head and killed by Justin Flores, a gang member who George Gascone. Gave a sweet deal to, instead of being in prison, he was uh, out on probation. And he got into some kind of a domestic violence entanglement at a motel. And Paredes and Santana showed up and uh, Flores killed them. And Mark Peacock, the attorney, is representing the family. They're suing uh, the probation department, uh, which provided no supervision, obviously. Nothing effective. And then and Gascon for his ridiculous policies that led to this situation. So, you know, another day we're reminded of two more police officers that Gascon killed, and yet he's still in office. Uh, So we'll do that after three o'clock. We were just talking about the massive sales tax drop in uh, San Francisco to go along with the massive property tax drop that's going on. You know what else is going down? Just trying to run a small business uh, with the with the Nordstrom's closing on Market Street. They have one of those Westfield shopping malls. And the uh, San Francisco Chronicle to talked to, to some of the business owners. Uh, there's one guy named Dat Tew. He's owner of uh, Umai Savory Hot Dogs. And he says foot traffic is down. Sales are down. Now Nordstrom's is closing. And he doesn't know if. He can stay in business. Everyone's hurting. People are, things are going bad to worse for that mall. The Saks Off Fifth store is closed. Whole Foods, as I mentioned before, and that creates a lot of foot traffic. You know, people go to maybe several stores on any given day, on any given uh, little junket. And um, uh, at Umai, the hot dog place, sales are down 30% below projection. And maybe he does 1500 to $2,000 a day in sales, but he's got a $28,000 monthly rent. The employees fed up with the uh, crazy homeless vagrants, and there's all kinds of crime going on. <clears throat> he's been asking Westfield for a rent decrease, and they kept saying no until Nordstrom <laughs> left. Suddenly, he got a call with an offer, and they're willing to lower his rent from twenty-eight thousand to twelve thousand, unless they can find another tenant willing to pay more. Boy, this is not the time to do hardball deals. That's that's a dumb uh, executive at Westfield. And the uh, two, the business owner says, the city needs help. We need help. I just hope something gets done. Stop voting for the people you're voting for. I have an idea. Vote for a new set of supervisors. Recall the old ones. And the new supervisors all promise not only to hire lots of police, but the police go around and take every, take care of every little indiscretion imaginable. Go do what Rudy Giuliani and Bill Bratton did in the 1990s in New York City. It's called the broken windows policy. The slightest little crime that you see bad behavior you put up people in jail you put the mental patients in a lockdown mental facility you put the drug addicts into a lockdown drug facility everybody is forced somewhere forced to go to jail forced to go to a mental health clinic forced to go to drug treatment the doors are all locked everybody sits in there until they're uh, successfully treated until you do that you you've already you've already destroyed the city it's not going to get any better Rents are going to keep going down and down. So is the value of the property, uh, the sales, uh, everything. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, uh, once you start a doom cycle, it's hard to get out of it. U.S. News and World Report is out with its best state rankings, uh, which, according to uh, Katie Grimes at the California Globe, details California's demise. They rank the states on crime and corrections, the economy, education, fiscal stability, healthcare, infrastructure, natural environment, and opportunity. Out of the 50 states, we're 33rd. U.S. News and World Report say t- 32 other states are better places to live than uh, California. Of course, uh, Newsom has spent half the year flying to uh, southern states uh, trying to uh, bully the governors. Into admitting that California is the way to go. Well, we're number 33, and uh, U.S. News and World Report is no right wing outfit. Let's see. Here's all our rankings by category. You'll be, this is great. Number 23 in crime and corrections, number 29 for the economy. You always hear him saying, ah, here we have the fifth largest economy. Yeah, it's only number 29 out of the 50 states. We're 20th in education. We're 39th in fiscal stability. We're 34th in infrastructure. You know, that'd be all the uh, crumbling potholed roads and bridges. 30% for the natural, number 30 for natural environment. Hmm. Uh, It's probably because of all the disgusting pollution. For example, all the homeless people defecating in the, uh, in the wetlands, Uh, the bologna wetlands. Uh, we are number fifty in opportunity. How about that? California number fifty in economic opportunity. There is only one category that we pulled in the top ten, and that was number six for healthcare. Probably because of the massive amount of tax money that we uh, donate to uh, all the millions of illegal aliens here. Got them all on Medicaid, so we're we're number six in healthcare. But everything else. Number 23, 29, 20, 39, 34, 30. And again, in case you have friends or relatives who want to come to California and reinvent themselves because uh, the sky's the limit. Such a wild land of opportunity. No, actually, we are the worst state for opportunity in the entire nation. Number 50. You have less opportunity coming to California than anywhere else. Including Mississippi. All right, we come back. I'm going to talk with Mark Peacock. He's representing the family of Officer Mike Paredes from El Monte. He and Officer Joseph Santana were killed by Justin Flores, the gang member, who shot them both in the head when they responded to a domestic violence call in a motel. And this is another one of those cases where Gascon's insane, destructive, deadly, murderous policies led to two cops being assassinated, basically. More coming up on the John and Ken Show. Two rounds of the Moistline line coming up as well. Uh live uh, Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday and of course anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
3: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and
2: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
7: Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the queen of Tejano.